0: So you're a huge fan of Atlanta United,
1: and you want Dave to give you the latest insights to our
0: tactics. Pineda five in the back? Are you kidding me? Or maybe you can't f and believe we signed Don Dwyer, and you want to hear Mikey Dobbs rant about it. Well, you've come to the right place. I'm David Katz, and I'm Mike Dobbs, and this is, is the, the ATL on, on Fire podcast. podcast.
1: Welcome back, everybody. It is another ATL on Fire podcast. Dave, Roy Kent, how are you?
0: F and Roy Kent, people. Let me see.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. Where'd you get that thing?
0: The, the am- internet. The, the Mikey Dobbs. The, the internet has no bounds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, AFC Richmond, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't love that? We are
1: complete nerds here, people. <laughs> and to be
0: even, even cooler, uh, let me
1: get the the camera on this Check logo this. ATL on fire t shirts.
0: Wow. I like it, Mikey Dobbs.
1: This is uh, my mother in law did some embroidering and did this whole thing herself. So,
0: embroidery is awfully fancy for you know, I mean, I'm, well, I'm, may- uh, it's awesome.
1: Maybe we'll get some hats, some t shirts, the next remote podcast, which we successfully did at Elliott Street Pub last year. There is a
0: rumor that there was an ATL on fire podcast from behind the Elliott Street Pub. Is that true, Mikey Dobbs? It's very true. We
1: uh, took electricity on the road in a pub parking lot and did this pulled it off. So hopefully some listeners will come join us next time we do it. We'll send out some tweets so you can join us. And, uh, the season's already like in, in, you know, fast, fast motion here. Yeah, we're gone. One, one win, one loss, right? Yep. (laughs) Um, so obviously we enjoyed the, the home home opener, um, it felt uh, felt good to be back in the Mercedes-Benz, that's for sure. Felt a little optimism because the home game certainly didn't have our best players. Certainly didn't have our best players against Colorado, but um, yeah.
0: Yeah, we talked about you know the possibility of a slow start because uh, of the mama, right? We only <laughs> had mmm <laughs> in the yeah. end. We started out with ma, but in the end, Araujo limped off, and so then we had mmm.
1: <laughs> so, speaking of mm, what are we drinking? We got another bottle of red wine. You know, I
0: don't typically do this, but um, you know the 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 inaugural podcast for this season, we had the Chateau Saint Michel Indian Wells, and uh, it was so delicious. I brought another bottle. Well, I'm happy about it. <laughs> Cheers. Mm. Salud.
1: That is really really nice, and uh, much needed after a long week. And this is a great way to finish it talking about Atlanta United. Um, you know what else I have, Dave? What you, I think you know because it's on the agenda. Uh-oh. ATL on fire trivia. All
0: right, <laughs> oh, people. No. This
1: is where this this is a segment we do on the show where I bring random knowledge to the listeners that you will
0: hopefully try to forget as soon
1: as you <laughs> listen to it.
0: But Mikey Dobbs has reached the end of the internet.
1: I have. So this one's very MLS um, centric in terms of where the league's going and some trivia questions that are more MLS related than they are uh, Atlanta United. But um, because I'm excited about the league, I really am bullish around its its growth with two World Cups coming um, rapidly in 2026. We'll be here before we know it. In the United States, we'll have a lot of soccer. But in a 2018 poll, uh, Americans favored baseball or soccer more as their preferred sport. And this is in a 2018 poll from, you know, maybe a legitimate poll or not. But
0: I had heard actually that soccer had surpassed baseball overall as uh, America's third most popular sport. So I'm going to go with soccer. So this is 2018. You might be right now. Okay. Okay.
1: It was seven percent of Americans cited soccer as their favorite favorite sport, while nine percent preferred yeah. Americans' uh, pastime of baseball. So that would make sense. It, I would bet maybe now it's right at the tipping. point. I saw
0: a, a stat about this, and 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 it wasn't necessarily MLS versus Major League Baseball. It was the overall baseball versus soccer, you know, versus right. the sport. Um, yeah,
1: and so. that's where these polls and stats get get sticky. <laughs> but the the interesting thing is that obviously. Soccer is is making we've surpassed hockey. Yeah, it, it's now uh, making a run at baseball. There could be you know five and with the lockout years.
0: in the baseball season, you know who knows
1: exactly. I mean, really,
0: baseball just continues to
1: shoot themselves in the foot after yeah. the glorious Braves win. <laughs> they can't figure it out. Yep, um, and you know the MLS in terms of uh, franchises that you know these billionaires want to buy into the valuation of. MLS clubs is very significant. Do you think the average valuation of an MLS team right now uh, is above or below 500 million?
0: I'm going to still say that it's below. I mean it's probably getting up there, but I'm still gonna say average is below.
1: So again, this is from some source. I don't know, I don't even have it cited here, but they said it was five hundred and fifty
0: million. Oh. Um 0 for two. And and I mean, <laughs> you know, that's
1: that's about five times more than like a champion's
0: you it's, like to make these fine, you know, it's like above or below and it's like 501, uh, no. you know, <laughs> it's tough. It is no, tough, but, it's but, good. I like but it. no,
1: I mean, it's about educating the, the yeah, listeners, for sure. the the English champions league, the one below the premier league, the average valuation is probably like, you know, one fifth of that. Like you're talking like, you know, a hundred, okay. 200,000 or 200 million okay. at most. So, you know, and then, you know, the, the big clubs in the EPL are certainly valued, you know. Way more. Three billion. But yeah. actually, the ones in the mid table are about the same. Well, didn't Roman so you,
0: Abramovich say that, you know, so he's selling Chelsea, right? And he said something like he's trying to sell it for like 15 billion or something. And people were like, you got to be kidding me. No way.
1: I, yeah, I didn't see that. But <laughs> no, I mean, even like Newcastle, right? Like the Charlotte owner could have gone out and bought Newcastle United um, for, you know, he, he had the wallet to do that. Okay. Um, so that's that's what we're talking about in terms of where the MLS is
0: it's going to end up with Newcastle type fans. Right. No, I'm just kidding. Newcastle actually has a really good sport. The are good the fans. Team, the product on the field hasn't been so good, but it's getting better.
1: They, they made some moves, and yeah. I think they're winning lately, right?
0: Yep. is getting a little okay. bit of fortune nowadays.
1: Between 2012 and 2019, the MLS grew in popularity by more or less than 25%. So you're talking about, you know, a good uh you know, five five, six year stretch there.
0: So my instinct is to say that it's more than twenty-five, but everything's been wrong so far. So I'm gonna go with less than twenty five. Oh,
1: you should have gone with more. <laughs> you should have gone with more. That's three duds in a row. It's twenty seven percent rise yeah, okay. in interest. Oh well, that's what I yeah, uh, I think yeah. I according, said that, that according to be right, I got a source on this
0: one but I'm is, like, it can't be right if that's what I think yeah. tonight, you know. Nielsen sports.
1: Okay. So what was the US men's <laughs> national team's biggest drought? between qualifying for the world cup in terms of years how many years went by um that's just kind of a random one in between it
0: is kind of a random one so we qualified in 1950 Mm -hmm. (laughs) famous whatever you got the right date um and then um we were absolutely shambolic all the way until i believe it was 1990 in italy right so that would make it 40 years
1: that is spot on. I knew you would get that one, right? All right. So we had the, uh, this, the MLS inaugural opening games, what, two weeks ago? Yep. Of course, our Atlanta United crushed it with the season uh, record attendance for the home opener that weekend, which was like 67,000. Okay. Who was the second largest attendance on opening day?
0: Who was the second largest attendance on opening day in the day? MLS? Um, and you know, trying to remember who was at home, I would not have guessed this at all. Oh, because then it can't be Seattle. I mean, usually it's Seattle. You would go immediately right, I, I, to it as yeah. the second biggest, you know, whatever.
1: Um, but interestingly enough, this Seattle played this team.
0: Who did Seattle play? It was Portland who played New England, right? It wasn't that's the game that was That's hit. your lifeline right there. The desire, you know, the just one. Who did Seattle play on opening day? They lost, right, on opening day. They sure did. Um, who the, heck, the heck did second they lose to
1: largest attending fans in what could be our rival
0: soon? One of oh. our, one of
1: our many rivals. It's definitely Nashville. That's correct.
0: Nashville. Mm-hmm. They yeah. had... Right. Uh, that's right. They lost... Because Nashville's in the West. I always forget they yeah. moved to the West now, so they opened up against Seattle, correct? So they yeah.
1: had, like, 30,000 fans there?
0: Mm-hmm. good
1: okay. for, Good for you, Nashville. And, you know, the thing is, is, like, I was super excited for Charlotte to have, you know, 74,000 people at their stadium. I know a lot of people are proud of Atlanta's attendance. We're going to continue to have great attendance at Atlanta United. But to me, this is... And this is why I did the, the trivia on MLS growth, because I really... The reason I'm doing the podcast with you is I'm just really bullish on the league and where we can be. Sure, and the fact that I mean in North Carolina, at a football stadium, you, you can pack seventy four thousand to watch a soccer game. I mean, I know people should be excited. I mean, that's like <laughs> yeah. I, and and look, I mean, they lost, they played above their skis in in the game. I watched it last night, um, but the fact that there's soccer in Charlotte, I mean, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it was the kid Alvarez who scored a screamer on the opening goal. If you have a dear podcast listeners, you have a moment, go check out the first goal from LA Galaxy versus Charlotte. Um, that's a goal, also. I can't,
1: I can almost guarantee you that'll be goal of the week because that could
0: be goal of the season. It could be goal of the season.
1: I mean, it was truly right a world class strike, uh, upper 90. Go, yep, go left watch
0: it. to right all the way across the ball you know, all the way across the goal you know on a rope hit the upper 90 i mean psh. all right
1: dave that thank you for humoring me with another <laughs> Tail on fire trivia
0: sure we're on to the recap i'm always like i'm always happy to go over
1: the home opener we did a podcast it was fun we went in and we won Um, It was kind of – I mean, I was expecting a harder game than we we
0: actually got from from Kansas City. So here's the reverse trivia question. Hit me. How many home openers have we ever won? Ooh. So, well, we've only had, what, five, right? No, I mean, just even in terms of home openers, a home opener every year, right? It's not – we don't always open at home, but we have a home opener every year. So I'm going to go with uh, two. And the answer is one. That was our first ever home open win. Wow, you just extended (laughs) ATL on fire trivia. Well done. Yeah. And and so we're surprised by that. You know, I didn't remember, but yeah. We only
1: got, uh, what, two answers right there? We've sucked
0: at home (laughs) to begin the season. Um, And, it it, you know, it goes to show, right? You know, of course, no inaugural season, Bobby Dodd. I mean, obviously, first, you know, First game under DeBoer, first game under Heinze. You know, those were not good things. So it makes some sense to me. The surprise would be in year two, right, uh, under Tata, you would have thought we would have run the home opener, but we didn't. We lost that first home opener, and then we went on an amazing run after that.
1: So, Dave, our starting lineup against Sport Sporting, sporting Kansas, City. Kansas City. Sporting was Guzan in the back. Hernandez, right back, Gutman, left back. Campbell, Miles in the center back position. Alonzo, um, who uh, ho- hopefully he's okay. We'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, Josetu and Cedic, uh in the middle, left and right. And then Araujo, Martinez, and Wolf with the starting lineup. What did, what did you think uh, about the starting lineup when you saw it?
0: Well, I thought... <laughs> My first thought was, oh, no, right? In the, I mean, only in that, um, you know, we didn't really know until that last minute, right, that whether Tiago Almada or Sosa might be coming back. Um, and when you think about Sosa not being back, Almada not being present yet, Moreno still being injured too much to be in the starting lineup, Lennon not being in the starting lineup, and you think, yikes. By the way,
1: again, this goes back to our our – Nagging thing with the the, the communications team at, at Atlanta United, who didn't get back to my email either. By the way, on connecting with you know getting more involved, uh-huh. um, there's no information around really when we should expect Tiago Amada, Sosa, Ibarra.
0: Like, well, the th- thing that kind of bothers me is not just that we don't have much information. There seems to be that certain insiders. Um, do have a little bit more information right that it's not a surprise to certain people um and that's a problem, right? you know, so they tell them and they're not allowed to say it to whatever anybody yeah. you know uh,
1: I mean, does that happen at other clubs in Europe? I mean, I don't know well here we are by the fire, I don't know
0: um, my impression is no that it doesn't um there's a lot more information about injuries um but um. So, I mean, we sat
1: next to each other during the game here. It felt like, uh, overall, we were in pretty good control of the game. You know, one thing that I've noticed in both games is certainly when you play four in the back, we're going to be more vulnerable at times to just looking like we're on our back heel, but...
0: Okay, yeah, so I think this is where we should start, right? So, we were begging all last year to go to four in the back, and, you know... What, what I would first say is, first of all, credit, hallelujah. He's playing four in the back, Pineda, you know. But then you got to wonder, if it's so obvious that we should be a four and back now, why in the world would you hesitate to change that during the season? I know he said, look, I don't want to change enough stuff. But that to me is surprising, right? That if you really, really felt that we're better in a four, which he clearly does because now we get, you know, this whole time and he's going to go to a four – why wouldn't you have changed that I mean it's not like those players have never heard of a four in the back right I mean yeah but anyway so what did Hell. you think of the four in the back well I mean in even in both games even the one we just
1: dudded on I mean it's more exciting soccer I mean that's just hands down you're you're forced to what one thing you see with four in the back is what you always talk about we're picking the ball up on the other side of of half field and then we're on the front foot from there so yes we're also vulnerable to like why are there three guys only back and they've got five people charging down at our three guys you get both that but to me that's just exciting soccer um and when you have a miles robinson back there they kind of saved the day a couple times particularly in the last game i i just prefer that that's style we,
0: we talked last year about a number of moments where somebody was running at our back four our back five and none of the center three guys knew who was responsible for stepping up and usually very late alan Franco would come flying out he would because it was late he'd dive in the guy would go right by him and then now we're four in the back um You know, there was the exact same moment in this this, uh, first Kansas City game in the 73rd minute where a guy was running right at our back four, and it was so obvious. Campbell just stepped up. Robinson stayed at home, and they dealt with it very easily. Um, There was no confusion about who was going to step. Yeah.
1: I mean, overall in that Kansas City game, I felt like we were pretty in control of the game.
0: Yeah, we really didn't give up many good chances. Yeah. Um, the the back four looked really really good, considering even considering the fact that Alan Franco didn't play yeah. because he was red carded.
1: So we started off with a really nice goal from Araujo um, that was assisted by Joseph Martinez, but really it it was a really nice pass from Josh or uh, not Josh Wolf, but uh, his son uh, Tyler Tyler Wolf, um, and he kind of picked it up kind of just past half field at, at an angle. And just slotted a ball straight forward to Joseph Martinez, who did a little back heel flick to Araujo, who just ran into the 18 and just did the nice, delicate touch right far post. I mean, it was, it was just a really nice goal.
0: Yeah, I mean one of the things that we talked about and I think I said I was predicting a slow start for Atlanta United and I said if we're going to buck that trend, the guy who's got to be spectacular is the star who's going to be on the field is Araujo. And you know, the moment that happened, I said, mm, "Maybe we're we're going to be all right because uh I mean he just looked like like on a different he was playing a different game." Yeah, he was he, was, uh, <laughs> he just ran right by the which defense. Was
1: the sweet and sour
0: of that goal right yeah Yeah. and so then you're like look here we go you know Araujo's on his way he's gonna be LMLS MVP and then (laughs) he limps right off the field four to six weeks hamstring
1: yeah and you know that is super unfortunate but the thing is which I like about them. There's an article in Dirty South or AJC. I don't know if there's an article that says four weeks. The good news there is the prognosis isn't like it wasn't like bleeding on the back of his hamstring, which right. I've had one of those before. I mean that can take up to like three to six months when you have right. one of those.
0: So it looked to me relatively minor actually yeah. for a hamstring.
1: So again, best case scenario, he probably be out for. Five to six weeks. It sounds like, but Atlanta
0: United has been extremely cautious with injuries. Um, you know, I mean, to the point maybe we talk about it more. But you know, Moreno in this game, right? In the first two games, in fact, right? Still coming off the bench, right? Right? Not ready to go, and and you you know. You gotta wonder because when Moreno comes on the field, he looked like he was pretty fine. Pretty right? fine.
1: He was the best player in the field every time <laughs> I've seen him.
0: <the> <laughs> and so um, you might say, "All right, you know, okay," but he's not, you know, ninety minute fit yet. But honestly, when when you're missing Sosa and Al Maron, uh, uh, Almada, excuse me. <laughs> um, yeah, we are. We wishing really missing Almada. but <laughs> if you're missing Almada, right? So the question is. You know, can you afford to leave Araujo on an island in that opening game? Or or should Moreno have been in the starting lineup? Yeah. Uh, And I'm going to, maybe this is the right time to talk about it. Because um, one of the things that strikes me is that, all right, so even if you say Moreno is only capable of playing 30 minutes, right? So let's say the medical staff decided that, you know, Moreno is really only capable of playing 30 to 35 minutes. Okay. Why not start him, let him play alongside Araujo for those 35 minutes, maybe get on the front foot and get in the lead, and then sub him after 35 minutes. Yeah.
1: I mean, especially at a home opener where you want to come out.
0: Right. The, I mean, it'd be I mean, nobody ever does this. And the reason why nobody does it yeah. is because you've then used a sub and and yeah. and you don't have it for later, but You know, for just one sub, I mean, you know, what's the worst-case scenario? You say, like, look, in the first 20 minutes, three guys go down. None of them are forwards, so you can't take off Moreno. Let's say it's a goalkeeper and two defenders. So you have to sub those players. And then you're like, okay, now you're stuck, right? Moreno was only supposed to play 35 minutes, and he has to stay in the game. I mean, that's an extreme example. And it still doesn't mean you're playing short. It just means he has to go 90 when maybe you think he's only ready for 35. That's very, very, very unlikely to happen, you know, and I would say, look, let's get him, you know, alongside, you know, the best players. And and, and I would argue in Colorado, right, again, even if he's only ready to go 35, 40, even 45, why not start him? Try to get on the front foot, try to get the lead rather than the idea is you kind of hang on, hope for the best and then bring him on, you know, to do whatever,
1: yeah, I, you know, Colorado, can under, depending on what the injury is, because we don't really know right. what is it. If it's 25 degrees and he's got a soft muscle injury, then maybe don't play him in Colorado. But, but
0: in they ter- played him.
1: They, they did, right? Yeah, They so played
0: it, him even when it was clear that the game was, you know, probably going to get away from us. Yeah. So you were like, look – if yeah, i agree true. with you That's if it's cold true. at that point yeah, then why risk him why not yeah. you know put him on at all Spot on. if he's really that injured and so the fact that you played him meant that he really is ready to go for 35 right. no matter what you just said it yeah. um and i would argue i mean no it, to in fairness to Pineda, nobody does this right i mean nobody does this but and it, and it what it would signal maybe and maybe this is why they don't do it it would say look I think Moreno is worlds better than Sadich. And if you believe in your squad, maybe it totally demoralizes your squad because you're like, look, he's so good that he not only, (laughs) he can't play the whole game, but he's still going to start and come off after 35. Yeah. Um, Maybe it demoralizes the squad, but it's reality. Yep. Right? I mean, um, yeah.
1: So Araujo goes off and who comes on? The guy that, our intro of our podcast makes fun of Dom Dwyer. Dom Dwyer. Um, so Dom comes on
0: and uh, he gets our second goal. Right. Um, so what, tell the, the dear podcast listeners, maybe remind them what you said about Dom Dwyer.
1: I said, why the hell would we sign <laughs> Dom Dwyer? And I still kind of am
0: there. And we'll what see. did I say?
1: You said, well, there's a reason, because he knows how to
0: score goals. He's a veteran. You said he hasn't scored in three years, and he's never going to score again. And I said, I think he's still got goals in him. I am, And I said at the end of the
1: podcast, I'm a huge Dom Dwyer fan, because he's out there, <laughs> and he needs to score for us. So is anybody – I mean, super excited. But
0: So what did you s- think of Dom Dwyer?
1: Still skeptical, especially after the Colorado game, but I'll get to that.
0: Well, one of the but, things I'll but, say – yeah, go
1: ahead. But that goal – joseph martinez plays a long ball you know into the right corner of the field puts dom dwyer at the top of the 18 dom dwyer does a great little cheeky little move that you know frankly the kansas city guy should have done better but he cuts inside does a great job and then just bombs a shot near post completely puts the keeper on his back foot and and it was a great goal i mean Great move. Yeah, and
0: that suggests that he still has it. He can beat a guy and he can score. Yeah. Um, You know, the game also showed the other part of Don Dwyer. So in the 83rd minute, you know, when everything was open and there was a chance to really, you know, put in, I think, the fourth goal, uh, I think it was already 3-1, to right? Don Dwyer gets the ball. Right there's an early ball across that would have been an absolute easy breakaway tap and whatever. I think I don't remember who was running. It might have been um Wolf or it might have been the new kid Wiley or whatever but yeah but anyway, he had no idea he had no idea the guy was over there, no vision whatsoever and it it occurred to me now, having seen him limited for us, he has no idea what's around him so yes he's big and strong he can hold up a ball yes he can clearly put the ball still in the net but he has no idea who's around him yeah and
1: uh yeah it was a good it was a good goal though but it was also a beautiful uh pass up the field by martinez who had two assists in the game Um, let's talk about the goal that kansas city scored against us um this was off of a corner kick Mm-hmm. Set piece, set piece, corner kick again, one of our Achilles heels. Um, and the way I looked at it on the replay was you know, it came in, there was a guy on Kansas City who basically beat almost two to three Atlanta United players, didn't really, I mean, he just all hustle, got up, flicked it to the back post. And Jose, was ball watching, totally left his man open on the on the far post. And the guy just had a beautiful volley, ripped it in the far post.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is the the classic zonal marking. There's no accountability. Um, And there's two things that happen with the zone. One is nobody knows who's supposed to go after the ball, right? So it comes in and often, you know, the two guys, you know, you and I who are standing this far apart, some guy can walk right in between us. And is it you who's supposed to get it? Is it me who's supposed to get it? We don't know, right? And so that's a problem. But the other problem with it that I see from this and was, I think, evident on this play, the other problem with the zonal marking is even when it's, it's clear who should go after the ball, you go after the ball everybody's supposed to be going for the ball, right? And so all you have to do, and teams have realized this, is all you have to do is fake like you're going to make a run in and, and just hold in that space behind. And so many times they clear it out, and because there's no man marking, right, they're like, oh, look, my job is to get to the ball. You get to the ball, you clear it, but that first clearance, if it's not great, it falls right to some guy at the top of the box, and boom, you give up the second goal. Yeah. A secondary shot i mean
1: i watched this a couple times and i felt like you know certainly i would have liked our our center mids to get in there and win the ball and with a little more muscle. i mean if
0: i were you know coaching against the zonal marking team you would say <laughs> okay we're gonna send our two guys you know really go after the ball hopefully you get in between them because they don't have a clue and you can pick a guy right off no problem but we're just gonna Run three and drop two and let them hit it right back to us and we're score goals,
1: right? I mean it's crazy. I, I, just, I don't know that Jose too, was was zonal though. Like it felt like that was his guy. Like he was the only guy near him, so it had to be his guy.
0: Maybe and he
1: just was. I felt like he he was, literally still just zonal. watched him like well. We'll watch it later, but I mean, literally, he had no one else to look at. So if he's in the zone, his zone was to mark that guy. You know what I mean? So at some point, the zone is your guy, so yep, I'm on with it and then so we're still up two to one at that point, right? Yep. Um, and then we have a nice uh closer. It was towards the end of the game. Caleb Wiley, one of our homegrowns, comes on, and uh Moreno does
0: the professor. Is, the That's pro- what I like to the call
1: the professor. It. Just <laughs> such a beautifully weighted moving slotted ball, kinda slow, moving kind of slow, Really kind of slow. Just it, totally yeah. lulls them into like, yep. what was that little slotted pass? He just knows right how to just direct <laughs> mm-hmm. right behind the defense. Beautiful, and Caleb is like, thank you. He's like, he owes he owes Moreno a big hug.
0: In fairness, you know, he did what. Um, Bella was unable to do last year. He stayed composed, and he actually finished beautifully. Completely composed. Yeah. I mean, that was... So that's a good sign.
1: Yeah, that's a... I'm high on Caleb Wiley. Um, When he came on in the Colorado game, there was a lot against him. But in that game, you could see what this kid's got, and that was a lot of composure.
0: The interesting thing that I think we talked about a little bit, maybe in the podcast in the parking lot, is that um, Pineda did something that I think was, I, I made sense to me, and, you know, was obvious to me, which is instead of saying, okay, well, you know, Lennon's a right back, Hernandez is a right back, they've got to compete for a spot, and um, Wiley is the backup um, left back and Gutman's the left back, they got to compete for a spot. You know, why not in a, in a moment say, okay, you know, just because that's true – um Wiley is an attacking player maybe you know we don't know yet but defensively is he really you know seasoned probably not it's his first ever game right Lennon we've always said great attacking wise occasionally weak defensively why not play them both together right yeah. and allow a Lennon to just go forward with a guy behind him or allow a Wiley to go forward with a guy behind him and he did that he, in both sides he brought in the left back and the right back the backup as a as a midfielder uh, which I think is is brilliant
1: So we're about to go to the Colorado game, but um, in terms of starters uh, and young players, um, Tyler Wolf started both games. Yep. What did you think about his performance overall in the first game and then maybe as we transition to the Colorado game?
0: You know, I said I think that if there was going to be a guy who was going to surprise us, it would be Tyler Wolf. Um, I think he's shown some spark. Um, He should have scored in the Colorado game. Would have made a huge difference early. He had a good chance. Um, It was a good shot, um, and it was safe, but – you know, he probably really should have scored. Um, so, you know, that's what you get with a really, really young player. They can be a spark, and then sometimes they miss something obvious. So, uh, overall, I thought, you know, good start. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's – how old is he now?
1: Um, what, what's the Google say? He's only like 20 years old, let's right? Let's
0: see. I have it in front of me. Maybe he's,
1: maybe he's a little older. And, uh, you know, his dad played uh, at – University of South Carolina and then went into the MLS when the MLS had just just uh began um yeah. so he, He's
0: 19. He's
1: 19. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got good genes with with his dad Josh Wolf who played here in Atlanta locally. Caleb Wiley is 17. 17. Yeah, and I mean we have <laughs> I so, mean 17 is ridiculous. So much youth.
0: So much I mean youth. 17 is really young. Yeah.
1: So yeah, uh Tyler's got got a lot of um potential ahead of him and uh yeah hopefully we can get his dad on the podcast here if we uh if we play our cards right he's if you don't know josh uh, wolf yeah josh wolf uh tyler's dad yeah and he's the coach of austin fc right we might have a connection i'm not going to promise you fans anything but
0: huh i was going to say he's awfully busy because he's a coach
1: he's busy (laughs) right well you know we might be able to sneak in like a a a little soundbite maybe we'll see what (laughs) we can do Um, also on Twitter, Archie Eversall responded to me. Maybe we can get him on too. Nice. So there's, there's things happening here on ATL on fire. And, uh,
0: so I think, you know, one thing, you know, I was on, um, Pineda, um, and I thought, okay, awesome. Starting four in the back. Awesome. Bringing in the outside midfielders. Um, you know the outside backs as midfielders late in the game you know we talked about where are you going to get a spark from and maybe that's the answer you you bring a guy like Wiley who might be really good attacking left back you don't let him defend but you bring him on for 20 minutes as a winger yeah Um. so you know I think um, credit to Pineda he pulled all the right strings in the first game
1: all right so the second game we go out to Colorado there's rumors of maybe another uh, snowstorm type of game.
0: Yeah, I wanted to talk about something that started in the first game and really, really, really was a thing in the second game. So um, the goal, um, um, in the first game, you could already see it. I have a note from from watching the game live. I'm like, why in the world are our outside backs on the weak side tucking in so far, right? So if the ball is on the left, right? And Gutman is our left back all the way on the far side, right? So, so the ball is, is on, um, um, is on Brooks Lennon's side or is on Hernandez's side. Um, and let's say Gutman's on the far side. Yeah. They have Gutman coming all the way in and he's standing next to, um, Robinson. Right. And, and why? Okay. Well, let's, I hear you. Let's take a pause
1: because I, I hear what you're saying and and that was part of the problem on the first goal that we got scored on against The, the first Cowboys. goal
0: and the second goal we should have sco- okay. given up and the third goal we should have given up. Yeah. I mean it was a disaster in the in the second game against Colorado for the exact reason. But you could see it in the first game. The moments that I thought we were vulnerable was when there was a switch in play. And we're so tucked in, that means that we allow somebody to play outside and we're like, we'll give them the cross. Those days are gone, my friend, right? Like, dear podcast listeners, soccer has gotten, the players are good enough to whip a ball in. If you give somebody a free cross and they put in a beautiful cross, there ain't nothing the center backs are going to do. Nothing. I mean, if it's a beautiful ball into a good spot, there's a good chance of scoring. So you're saying, like the second cross against uh, <laughs> us in Colorado or yes. was that the third goal? I can't. It remember. It was the first goal.
1: No, the first goal. Oh, the first goal. No, no, that wasn't the first goal. The second one was the whipped in cross. It
0: was well, ball, they were ball. both were. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: So the first goal against. So well, let's. So that's, we're now
0: in Colorado.
1: We're now in Colorado. Okay. It was supposed to be snowing. We were supposed to have Alonso as our uh, defensive med- uh, center mid, right?
0: Yep. Uh, ap- Osvaldo ap- Alonso. Apparently the car- – Who I thought, to be honest, was really terrific in the first terrific. game. Um, positionally, you know, he's a little older. He's 36 or something. But And, and he clearly – we can't count on him if Sosa were to really go down – I don't think he can play day in, day out for a whole season. But clearly in a one-off to expel Sosa, really well job done. A job really well done.
1: Agreed. And apparently, you know, they flew him out there to Colorado. Yeah, what happened? (laughs) I don't know if it was the altitude or whatever. And, you know, they run tests, I'm sure, in the players um, as as a little physical before every game maybe. Or maybe he had, like, some chest pains. I don't know. Cardiologist checks him out, says – no, no, dude, you, you can't play.
0: Yeah, you're 36. You can't play it out.
1: <laughs> so I, hopefully that's uh, just an overly cautious type of situation. But Yikes. Uh, not not the greatest news, uh, hopefully. The-
0: anyway, so what would you have done now that you're facing no no, Sosa, no Osvaldo, Alonso? What would you do?
1: Well, I'm no coach, Dave, so I'm going to leave this to you. But um, they did – shift the lineup right so the the lineup in this game uh let me just shift my page here was guzan in the back hernandez right back gutman left back franco and then miles and then the surprise was putting george campbell in the uh sosa role yep at defensive center mid and then to his left sedic and jose to his right lennon and wolf as the wingers and then martinez up front
0: I have to say, I was on Pineda so much, you know, that there was he wouldn't change anything last year, and then we would get off to bad starts, and then he would try to adjust something late, right? And I'm like, why not be proactive and do things from the start? That if you know that that's the problem, and voila, new season, all of a sudden, right? So not only did he make the right call in the first game, four in the back, not only did he bring on the outside backs as midfielders, brilliant adjustment. And now we don't have a de- our starting defensive center midfield, CDM, um, out, Sosa, our backup out, right uh, Alonzo. And what does he do? He plays all three center backs, and he plays Campbell as a defensive midfielder. I, I had to say, when I saw that, I said, absolutely brilliant. He's being proactive from the start. He didn't try to do what he did last year, and we're going to keep it the same. We're not going to move Campbell out of whatever. We're placing Sadich as a defensive midfield. That's what I thought he was going to do. He didn't do it, right? Like it's like he's a new guy. He stuck to his guns. Yeah. Yeah. Who is this Pineda, and where was he last year?
1: Okay, so you and I didn't talk about this. I'm with you.
0: Maybe he I, was listening to start, the podcast.
1: You're starting to sweat. <laughs> I like it. No, I agree, man. I think you know it was a bold move uh, putting George Campbell in that in that role. Which you know, I thought he did okay. It
0: defensively, was defensively he was good, but in the first game there were a few times when he was trying to play out of the back where he gave the ball away badly, and this happened again as a defensive midfielder. He looks like great defensively really good one-on-one positioning is good reading the game is good um the one thing that needs a little bit of sophistication occasionally he's prone to a bad giveaway yeah but But that's gonna come right i mean i mean i i
1: even though you, you could give him a c plus b minus in that game i you know you know
0: george campbell just turned 20
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. I, you can't be too down on that guy yeah. at all. I mean. No,
0: no, I'm not at all.
1: And I didn't realize how big he is. He's a pretty tall he's guy. A huge, uh, he's
0: huge. He's a physical presence on the six field. 6'2", Mikey yeah. Dobbs. Okay. Six not, two. So not gigantic. But but that's big for big. a footballer. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a not specimen. Not too many people beyond that except for, you know, Yaya Toure and um, <laughs> the old guy for Liverpool.
1: Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, so um, overall, just very high on George Campbell, so.
0: I thought it was a brilliant, absolutely brilliant move. I was like, I couldn't believe he had made the adjustment. Bravo to him. Um, the only thing I would have said is, look, I mean, Araujo not available. Almada not available, right? Martinez, you know, still trying to find it or whatever, Um in my opinion, the really bold thing to do, Moreno has to be in the starting lineup, even if he can't go ninety, even if you sub him off at halftime.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's that was the big flaw in the the Colorado game. The other thing the commentators were saying is it sounds like very few teams play the kind of high press that we did during the thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in mile, they look great for the first thirty mile, minutes. Mile high, right? Yeah, so exactly. I, I think. You know, I I don't know how much truth there is to that. Did the altitude get to the team after that? You think
0: it, they certainly died. They fell yeah. off a cliff. Um, so I would say yes. Um, you know, you you. I was thinking to myself, okay. You know, in hindsight, and hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Um, would it have been better for Pineda to have gone in there and parked the bus, right, and said, "All right, let's be really defensively solid and whatever." Um, the question is. If he were to do that, what would he do? I mean, the only thing he could have done is he could have reverted to a five in the back. He could have had Campbell, Robinson, and Franco. But then, who's playing in the midfield? Who? Who, yeah. Mikey Dobbs? Yeah,
1: Sedic and Jose too, and then... Yeah, and Sadich. Is it Sadich? Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. I think so. I I
0: think you're right. Um, He (laughs) has become the guy who gives the ball to the other team who scores on us, right? The number of giveaways he gives up. I don't know if you remember last year, right? We were one point away from missing a playoff spot, right? And we had a game where we had it in the bag. Sadich was dribbling outside our own 18 and he just passed it. I think it was New York City FC at home and we gave up a late goal do you remember this yeah and he just gave the ball away he just keeps doing it
1: yeah well he which which goal was it in this Colorado game he just like gave that like square ball and they took it over and that, that was the one that whipped the cross in over Franco's head and then Hernandez that was a Ceditch giveaway right that was the second goal correct
0: uh, I believe so. A yeah, uh, terrible giveaway it was, by Sadich on the goal. It's
1: definitely the second goal.
0: I, I wasn't really sure why Alan Franco was headed up the field a little bit, but I think he was so yeah. confident Sadich had the ball, he was trying to give him an, an option. So we're, and know, when he lost the ball, he was like, ah.
1: So we're starting with the second goal. Go ahead. Okay, which we'll go back to the first goal. The second goal, you're right. It was 100% Siddiq's fault for just giving away a square ball to the other team.
0: It was an atrocious giveaway. It was an
1: atrocious giveaway in like, you know, 75% of the way down the field for Colorado. They picked it up, and the guy looked up and said, oh, thank you. I'm going to whip in a cross over Franco's head. Not Franco's fault, by the way. Right. Now, I can- and
0: I think it was hard. You couldn't see it on the TV because it was cut off. I felt like Franco was recovering back, like almost like he was moving up to give um Sadish an option. Like he was assuming, all right, maybe bring it across and he was gonna help play yeah, out of the back. I felt
1: like I felt like Alan Franco was kinda in the right spot. You know who wasn't though? Who? Ronald Hernandez. Mm. I watched it over and over again. He was kind of like ball watching a little bit and he he left his guy, he let his guy go behind him. Mm. Far post. And stepped up. For, he had no reason because there's no danger in front of him. The danger was behind him. And he let his guy go behind him and behind Franco and let his wingman down. As far as I'm concerned, mm. I watched it, watched it over and over again. I'm like, well, why would Hernandez have any need to step up? There was no one there for hernandez to to step up on so why would you let another guy run behind you
0: well i've seen a few times where again he got into trouble but it seems to me like it was coached getting into trouble he's coming in so far that's not what you're talking about here but um ronald hernandez a few times has gotten into trouble where he's come over to help franco right because he's punched in so far and then they just play it out to his guy who's wide open yeah, um, which is atrocious, but that's what's being coached because you can see Gutman doing it on the far side. Uh, um, you know, when I think we should talk about the first goal, but so on the first goal, um, and I think we're going to play the clip, right? Um, so if you're on following us on YouTube, oh, yeah. we have it paused, right? So uh, before you play the clip, Atlanta United is in really good spot. First of all, you'll see, though, that instead of actually marking out on the wing, the right back, who I think is you know Ronald Hernandez, or maybe now it's, it's the right midfielder, I'm not sure. I think that, uh, that's Hernandez. Um, is pinched in far enough where there's a lot of space to play out wide. Why? Does he need to be in there? No. He should be closer where he can close it down. But other than that, in the middle of the field, we have uh, one, two, three, four, five players across the back, right? And they're in all in good spots. Colorado only has three people forward. But what you're going to see on this play is that Gutman on the far side on the left back, he's going to come so far in to help on the cross. Why does he need to help? I don't know because I think that – um, Franco, and Robinson have it all covered. And what ends up happening is they cross it all the way to the far side, and the guy is wide open on the far side. So play the clip.
1: I don't know. Gutman's got to cover his man who's right to his He's left.
0: covered right now.
1: Yeah, all right. Let's watch.
0: Play the clip. They play it out wide. He's just slow to close him down. It is Brooks Lennon. Crosses it out. And look where Gutman is compared to where the ball is. Stop it now. But, right? So, so look where Gutman is right he's inside the box and and it's tyler wolf who's expected to come back and cover him but so he was coming in and helping and you say okay if if there was an open guy he would need to do that and tyler wolf has gotten back but who's the open guy we got four v two right inside the penalty spot by the penalty spot why does gutman need to be there
1: well he shouldn't be there but here's what here's my bigger problem is look at tyler wolf's body language with that even in he's this, not
0: hustling to get back
1: he is not hustling to put any pressure on a guy who's about to cross the ball what's the most dangerous thing that you can do it's, i mean you cross the ball in the english premier league like i mean are you kidding me you would have you would be like yanked off the field
0: i'm not going to argue with you but here's the thing If our expectation is that we're going to stop goals by having Josh Wolf track a guy who's standing six yards away from the corner flag, we got a long season coming, right? Because that cannot be his role. That's got to be Gutman.
1: No, it's everyone's role to defend. Sure. It's everyone's role to defend. And, And I'm sorry, and if Gutman is a good fullback, he needs to be communicating, screaming, doing something. And then, I mean, you can look at it here, and then it's like a little late. Try to, like, leg chop, karate chop to... Um, oh I, I already messed this up. Look at that.
0: Uh-oh. Mikey, he actually hit the thing. So, anyway, what ends up happening is that he crosses it back across, and Alan Franco is matched up in the middle, um, and uh, he loses the duel. I don't know what
1: happened here. Where did we go?
0: I don't think you're too far. Yeah, it's right there. Too Sorry. far. Oh, a little further back.
1: No, it was in the. We're getting there. there Here it is.
0: is. <laughs> Finally got back to it. Sorry. Sorry, we had a little technical difficulty there. And, yeah. Describe it jogging,
1: jogging, jogging. Oh, too late. Karate kick. And it was a great header, but.
0: Yeah, so this is my point, which is to say Alan Franco's got him marked up completely. He's very tight. He loses the battle, and you can argue about why he lost the battle. He's got to win that battle. But you cannot allow a guy to have all day to serve in a ball and pick it out, right? I mean, he had all day to to get that down and to cross it, and that never should have happened. Okay, so there's two
1: things right here, and you can see it. you got lackadaisical pressure on the ball, and then Alan Franco here is... In front of the guy who's the danger, instead he doesn't. He should be positioned where his his guy is to his right shoulder. He's not
0: ball. He's not goal side. Yeah, right? he's not goal side. Yep. And then period. End. So <laughs> you, you're even the, teaching this to the to the young girls and yeah, daughters. Yeah, you team, have right? to be goal, you be goal side. So he's
1: got his hips turned, but he's got his left shoulder up against the defender who's behind him. Instead of having his right shoulder on the defender where he can see the ball coming across in his defense, the guy he's marking to his right.
0: So for those of you who are not on YouTube, that Alan Franco is standing just outside the six-yard box, right in the middle of the penalty area, and actually the Colorado guy who scores, I can't remember his name, is actually standing goal side of him, Um, which you would expect if that's true. I mean, the one thing I'm thinking here maybe is that Alan Franco thinks if he's goal side of me, he's offside. Yeah. I, and he's make, not offside because Gutman is actually back and is keeping him onside. He can but,
1: he can keep him offside if he shifts a little closer to the ball. Okay. Yeah. So,
0: but I what my point is that I yes maybe Franco could have made a play and bailed him out, but that's a tough one to defend. It's a beautiful cross. When there's a beautiful cross, you're in trouble, right? You cannot give up too many beautiful crosses. That's why you have to win the possession battle, and more importantly, that's why you got to go out and and and. Um, shut down the outside and i could see it in game one when we won three to one easily we kept giving away some really dangerous crosses because the outside backs were pinching in so far why yeah why all right it's, it's the thing i think that panetta hasn't corrected
1: so that was the first goal the second goal where, where did that come from
0: that was the one where Sadich gave it up and it was yeah. but oh, my, oh,
1: before that though, there was there's was a pretty good chance from uh Tyler Wolf. Mm-hmm. where he got slotted in the into the 18. It was kind of odd because he just didn't feel like he had composure. Yep. on the ball like he just didn't have his body settled correctly. He looked a little bit 19ish. He looked a little 19ish, which I <laughs> yeah, not not a huge but it was it was interesting. I mean, he he kind of let his whole body and the ball drift away from the goal and then tried a really nice effort at the last second to kind of play it far post uh, and uh, just kind of scuffed it across the, the, the front of the goalie and it didn't go in.
0: But I have to say, you know, later in the half, right before the stroke of halftime, Right? Martinez looked very 19-ish. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that? Yes. Um, yeah, so there's a ball put beautifully into Martinez, who's all alone at the penalty spot, and he makes a terrible first touch. Now, one thing I will say, and maybe I'm making excuses for people, but the state of the pitch in Colorado was absolutely atrocious. Yeah, I think... I they- mean, there was a lot of bobbles and stuff. Um. So... I don't know whether that messed him up there, but it was a tear. I mean, Martinez in his prime prior to ACL puts that ball away mm, 95 times out of 100. Yeah.
1: So the 86th minute they scored us scored on, no, 86th minute or 84th minute, uh, Miles gets uh, his second yellow, which, by the way, let's just take a step back on the refereeing in this game. What did you think of the refereeing in that Colorado game?
0: You know, I, I...
1: He came out kind of early with the yellow cards.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it was a little aggressive, and that forced his hand a little bit. It didn't need to be. It didn't seem like it was a real out-of-control game. One thing that I find... And the
1: commentators actually said that. They were like, this is a pretty chill game
0: yeah one of the things yet
1: the ref had to throw like three yellows in the first 20 minutes
0: one of the things i find about poor refereeing and mls is getting a little better but still has poor refereeing so when you you have poor refereeing the referees are, are doing the letter of the law instead of the spirit of the law right so you know if you go back and review any of the decisions here i don't think he made any decisions that you would say oh that's so atrocious or whatever but as a referee, you got to step back. And if he watches that game as he should, he should say, you know what? For a game that was not really that, you know, testy, it was there was no, you know, shoving. There were no real bad yeah. tackles. I gave out four or five yellow cards, and maybe that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, it's like
1: a, it's like a judge in any sports, and, and I'm familiar with surfing. Like, mm-hmm. you you can't give out high scores mm-hmm. out of the gates. You got to set the bar a little lower, like, especially when... You know, the the waves aren't good, or there's not. It's not that chippy, and it wasn't that chippy. So I think you. Got there's to set the such bar lower. a thing
0: as a as a bad foul, even that's not a yellow card, right? Um, you know, you can have a foul where a guy catches him pretty good. You know, it's a bad foul, and in the MLS, it's always a yellow card. And at times, you're like, look, if it wasn't intentional, it wasn't two footed, it wasn't dangerous, it was just a bad crap challenge. Sometimes it's just a foul. Yeah. Right. It doesn't have to be a yellow card. That
1: referee didn't seem to know what just a foul was, is where I'm getting
0: at. He was very official, very to the this is what you get in the MLS. And I think it's because these referees are constantly being evaluated in MLS, which is supposed to make them better, but in a sense it makes them worse. They think, Okay, I have to judge each moment and and he probably went through a review after this game, you know, with the refereeing, you know, head of refereeing. And in each one of those decisions, he's probably like, yeah, you got it right. You got to step back and say, OK, even if I got all the decisions right, did I get it right as a whole? And the answer yeah. there is no. no. Exactly.
1: Didn't understand the flow of the game. Didn't
0: understand the... The, up,
1: the, the way the game was flowing at all. So that I mean, was- We
0: always talk about it sometimes in terms of, you know, controversial penalty decisions. And it's always like, well, the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. And I always feel like the penalty box is there for the referee to use it to make the game fair. And so there are times when there's something might technically be a penalty. And you have to say nobody's going to be happy about it because it's a cheap, soft penalty. And there's times where the referees have to just... You know, kind of hmm. look the other way. So, I mean, exactly.
1: You want to? You just put our best defender out on a, a little bump in the back type of play. Like it certainly wasn't a clear and obvious like goal scoring opportunity. It was like, but right it right at midfield.
0: I but, thought that the second one probably should have been a yellow, but he shouldn't have been on a yellow to begin with. Well, that's not that's a problem. But, but that's, and if he is on a yellow, I think he's got to keep it in the pocket and say, you know what, that first, you know. He might say, look, those were two yellow card offenses. But if you think back and you're a good referee and you think, okay, what was the first yellow one? Was it a yellow yellow, a strong yellow, or was it a whatever? Exactly. And if it was a weak yellow, then you kind of have to say, it better be a super strong yellow for me to give the second and one. And you see that with the class of the EPL refs. Yes. You don't see it with that guy in that game.
1: Right. It's and it the was difference
0: just... between quality refereeing in the EPL and Gosh, MLS. I agree. It was
1: so frustrating. And it's like, all right, now you're going to cost – Another loss of a player of Atlanta United for the next game against Charlotte. It's against right. Charlotte, right? Who are we playing next? I think that's the case. Help me out, Dave. But anyway, that I agree. I, I was a little perturbed by the refereeing, uh, even though, like, yeah, if you look at each case individually in slow motion, like, okay, I get it. But it's has, it doesn't represent that game.
0: Yeah, Charlotte at the Benz. I have it down at 430 on Sunday. Okay. Um
1: then they come down and score in what the eighty six minute against mm-hmm. us. It was a pretty good goal by Colorado, probably maybe their best. I don't know.
0: Yep. I um, mean, you know, at that bet, point team the, goal. Ga- the game was we were, over. Yeah, we're,
1: we're down a man, the game's over. <laughs> yeah, uh, I
0: mean once you know, I have to say, um, one thing I felt um Pineda, you know. And he even said something about this in the after-game interview. He's like, even when we made down a man, we were still attacking. And I have to say, you know, you got to understand the psychology of a team. When you go down a man like that, I would have to – what I would have done is say, okay, let's drop a guy into the back for let Let's sit it. Let's – you know, we're not coming back down a man, down three goals, right? Let's just keep it from getting ugly, right? There's a moment when a, when a coach has to – understand the team and understand that five six nothing is way worse than three nothing Ah, see i'm on the other side of that
1: (laughs) i was excited that we were going for the consolation goal i i would have parked the bus at that point at that point i wanted caleb wiley or somebody to get us another goal just for just for a little bit of spirit you know what i mean And it didn't feel like we were going to go down four or five at that point. So I was okay with giving up. I think we could have. They
0: were only playing three in the back at that point. And they got a couple of late chances. It could have gotten, you know, goal after goal after goal, right? Um, Which also, ultimately, the other thing is it's not even just um, the psychology of it. You know, in MLS where it tends to be bunched down at the, you know, goal differential could come into play at some point. Right, you don't want to suddenly ship five, six goals. They didn't, so you know it was
1: three nothing. So it was a tough loss, three nothing. Where are you? Where's your gut at right now with this team, with a lot of uncertainty on who's even going to be available next Sunday against Charlotte at home. Uh, again, I have no idea. Like we could be down seven starters come Sunday, right?
0: The hint that I have heard is that the visa things will all be wrapped up. So I think you have Where's to your assume.
1: Hint? Where's your hint coming from?
0: Um, I'm it on was the... some stuff that they said on the broadcast, and maybe it was something yeah. I'm reading. I'm not sure. But I, I so my you know we're coming to you Sunday night, so we're still a week away. Yesterday was the Colorado game, so I'm guessing that Almada and Sosa are both available. So we're going to see an Almada appearance. I would think so. All right. I, it wouldn't surprise me to see Sosa and Almada in the starting lineup even.
1: Okay. Oh, so the, the other thing that happened in that Colorado game that you were saying could, could happen is you got Hernandez and then Lennon playing
0: up front. So that, that came to fruition, right? Yeah, that's what they. He started with that in this. All right, uh, uh, yeah. Lennon did start this game, right? Yeah,
1: in Colorado he started. Yeah, yeah.
0: So that he started with that lineup, which I,
1: which I really like. Um, so it was actually Hernandez, Fusetu in front, and then Lennon even further up.
0: Yeah, I mean, the problem is, you know, to me, the big problem is Sadich, right? Sadich is not offering anything offensively. He's giving the ball away, right? You know, but the question is, what is the alternative?
1: I guess Emerson Hyman, right? So when's he going to be available? He's
0: clearly not available. He's clearly not ready to just, play at just, all. Yeah, they're holding him back. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't even on the bench in either of these games. So yeah. so he is not available. Yet again, we know no timeline, though, right? Yeah, no timeline. Um, clearly. Thanks know. for that, Atlanta United. <laughs> um, but what did you think of the subs, right? You know, it's interesting. He left on Wolf, and he took off Campbell. Why? Uh... 'Cause Wolf wasn't playing that well. He had really died off. He was good in the first thirty minutes when he got the chance, but he looked like he was really tiring. And we don't have anybody else playing defense in the middle. Why take off Campbell? Who did he put in for Campbell? Uh um, Caleb Wiley? Yeah, I think that's or Moreno. I think it I mean they brought him in at the same time, so I'm not I can't I can't remember exactly for sure. But I think it was Moreno. It would have to be Moreno, right? Yeah, Moreno came in, but he didn't take off Wolf. I mean, I guess you'd say, okay, it's two attacking players, but um, balance. You know, what's interesting is that so many times you think, okay, if you're trying to get a goal back, you put in two attacking players, you take off a defender. But it's always better to have balance. You will always score more goals.
1: And then, yeah, Dom Dwyer came on, and that was the Dom Dwyer I was expecting. He, like, (laughs) did a dumb – I mean, he, like, could have – Gotten a, you know, he he just shoved a guy for no reason. He did
0: shove a guy for no reason. And it's like you gotta be you, you gotta know, have angry. A, you gotta have a
1: cooler head. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he
0: could have I mean it wasn't really a bad thing but he got a yellow card for it, but it was just totally unprovoked. Yeah, it
1: was unprovoked. It was just frustration.
0: Very, very much frustration. Yeah. And um, he
1: should be the guy that's like, you know, the leader on the field at his age. So I don't know. I get it, but at the same time. What else you got, Dave? We're about yeah. an hour into this podcast. Wow, we've talked quick. we've talked about it all.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, um, you know, the thing that 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 I have to say is that I was really, really on Pineda, and was you know, as you know, last year I was not so high on Pineda when we started this season. I huge question mark. Um, so far. In the first two games, I think he got it right. Now it's right. interesting. After the Colorado game, he said, This is on me. I got it wrong completely. I'm not really sure what other choice well, he had, that's the, but that's what he's got to say. Sure, yeah. but but you know, um, I think his move to play Campbell defensive midfield was genius, yeah, and he didn't have <laughs> a mean, lot of other options, yeah, right? Um, yeah,
1: I, I, I don't think that game was on him at all. I the think-
0: real question was, had as Valdo Alonso been available, he presumably would have started defensive midfield. Would he have played Campbell alongside him? And I think to, that would have been the gutsy move and the smart thing to do, either mm. two of them in the midfield or even five in the back dreaded, you know, a little bit park the bus. Um, you know, and I don't think he would have done that. But um, right. now I think we'd have seen said. I think as a coach, you have to realize that, look, you know, f- he keeps saying, oh, we have such a deep, you know, team, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I think we have deep players. You know, we went over this in the first podcast, but but there is a huge drop-off, right, between a Moreno and a Sadich. Right there is a huge missing attacking piece. If there's no Moreno, now Arauzjo, no, no Almiron, the creativity is just not there. And as a coach, you can't say my squad is so good; it's going to be fine. You have to realize uh, we're missing. You know, we have a super creative team, and we're missing all of them. Right, and so what are you going to do about that? Right, yeah. and there's nothing he can do, obviously, but. Um, I think it's a little naive to be saying that, um, you know, which is why I was saying, um, would it have been awesome even in the first game? I think, to me, a really gutsy coach would have started Moreno alongside Araujo, get all the creativity together where it's really hard to defend, even if that's only for 30 or 45 minutes, and then sub him off rather than subbing him on. Okay.
1: What else you got, Dave? We got Charlotte next Sunday.
0: Yeah, thank God. You know, Charlotte is not a good team. No. And presumably on the road, uh, you know, you got to figure that Atlanta United. So, so the thing that I would say, the other thing about the Colorado game that was maybe a little bit disappointing is the one thing you might have said about this Atlanta United team is they might be good enough to go even on the road with a not good attacking side, and give up either a shutout or only give up one goal, and they didn't. They kind of, you know, fell apart. And to me, it wasn't actually bad defending, right? We didn't see guys get beat, right? right. What I didn't like, there were two things that that cost us. One, this inexplicable, inexplicable outside box tucking in so Pinch, far, pinching in, right? Much. Which is why. Right, especially because you have two great center backs and you have a defensive midfielder, which you saw in those key moments. We had three guys usually marking one. You don't need those guys to tuck in.
1: And by doing the tucking in, you're almost creating the same problem we had with five in the back, which is like, who's got the ball?
0: Yeah, who's going to defend those guys in the middle because they're all there, but nobody's responsible. And you're allowing somebody to have a free cross, right? Which is totally shambolic. And so... One of the things that might be disappointing to me is that I would have said, you know, looking at the lineup going into this game, I would have expected us to be really good still defensively, right? We had our starting back four, right? And I would have thought, you know, we should be able to go into Colorado and give up, you know, one, maybe zero. Now, that being said... Colorado, I think has lost twice in the last like two or three years at home because of the altitude. Right. Right. That's clearly keeping them in the in the, you know, keeping them competitive. Right. So, you know, maybe you just chalk it up and you say, all right. Uh, we were phenomenal on the front foot in the first 30 minutes, and the altitude got us, and who cares? And obviously, the cavalry is coming, right? Sosa's coming back. Almada's coming back. Even Araujo's not gone that long. So. I hope we see Almada on Sunday. You got to figure, Moreno. I mean, yeah. God bless. He's got to be he's, ready to start. So we have like four of the mama. On, right. right? On so we Sunday, have man. Martinez. We have Moreno for sure. too. We got Ma. And hopefully, Almada. Almada would be ma, yeah, so we have ma. <laughs> but we don't have Arujo. Yeah. But you don't need. Honestly, there. I, I expected there to be injuries and other things. Do we need all four of them all the time? No. But yeah. I think three out of the four would be way better. The question is, you know, Almada having not been with the team that long, would you expect him to be in the starting lineup? Probably not. And here's what I would say. <laughs> Is that Almada's probably gonna be. I'm gonna guess if Almada is available, he comes off the bench for 30 minutes. But again, wouldn't it be nice to play Almada with Moreno and really give him something to think about, even if he's only gonna play 45 and bring him off? Especially against a Charlotte. Team. Against a Charlotte team that's clearly gonna come here and be afraid, right? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, the
1: uh, problem is, is then if you come out guns blazing with your, you know and you don't get it done in the first 30 minutes, which I always say, then you give Charlotte the open invitation to give us a dagger at home.
0: But, you know, we have our starting back four. I mean, obviously, um, Robinson's not going to be there, but George Campbell's perfectly capable, so there's not a problem. And you got to expect Osvaldo and Sosa to be available, right? If that's the case, you can play one of them, and I'm going to guess Osvaldo starts, uh, assuming there's no complications from this yeah. heart issue, whatever. And then, you know, Sosa comes on, you know. Um, so that five should be able to stuff Charlotte.
1: All right, let's hope so. So are you going to the game on Sunday? We haven't sorted to. that out. We All haven't right.
0: sorted it out yet, All but right. I hope to. I do
1: too, but I haven't haven't talked to the the wifey about that. <laughs> All right, well. This is episode 42. I have one more question for you. What you got?
0: Any word from our contest winner?
1: Yeah. She posted on Twitter. She had a a beautiful photo of the new forest green kit and super excited. Eliana.
0: Eliana. Congratulations. The forest green kit.
1: Yeah. So, which
0: did you like it when you finally saw it out on the whole field?
1: I did on TV. I thought it looked great. I mean, uh, now
0: that I've seen people with it, you know, if you recall, I was a little bit skeptical, but in person, it's actually nicer than you think.
1: Yeah. I well, they say it goes nice with jeans, which I get because that green color. Okay. Yeah. Compliments blue jeans. All right. All right, people. Thanks for listening.